the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit of God. As you know, the letter to Philippians were written while St. Paul was in prison and it is called the letter of joy because joy does not depend on external circumstances but joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit so regardless I'm in prison or I am sick or I am well or I am free if I have the Holy Spirit I'm filled with the Holy Spirit then I'll be joyful some people thought that to be in prison and writing letter and sending to the people is a burden on St. Paul because maybe some people will say St. Paul is not in the right mood to write letters and to ask about the people so he started Philippians chapter 3 by saying finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord the true joy is in the Lord it is the joy of the Holy Spirit not the joy of the world not the joy that gave me temporary happiness but at the end I go back to my reality the true joy comes from God who is within me and he is assuring them that it is not at all a burden to him to write these letters for me to write the same things to you is not tedious but for you it is safe and this is a very important lesson to us sometimes if you are a little tired we say I'm not going to go to Sunday school today I'm not going to prepare the lesson I'm not going to do visitation I, you know and we find excuses St. Paul was in prison and he did not use this as an excuse not to check on his people and to support them and to encourage them and he told them for me to write the same things to you is not tedious not burdensome but for you it is safe usually a true father a true shepherd a true Sunday school servant want to make sure that his people his class is safe they are not prey for beasts to devour them so he was confirming them in their faith confirming them in the sound doctrine confirming them in the right teaching this brings to my attention what the Lord Jesus Christ did with the thief on the cross if you remember the thief on the cross at the beginning he started cursing the Lord Jesus Christ and then toward the end he said uh, remember me O Lord when you come into your kingdom so the Lord actually spoke to him and told him to assure him today you will be with me in paradise the night before the Lord did not sleep at all he actually went through six trials three religious and three seven then he was beaten and he was
was scourged on his back and his back was wounded and pieces of uh, flesh were lost and he was bleeding and the cross the wood of the cross was tree it was not just smooth like this so can you imagine his back and the friction against the cross that's a piece of, of tree how painful it is how painful it is and for the Lord if you imagine he was nailed to the cross in his hand and in his feet so all his weight was actually going down in order to speak he cannot speak and all the weight of the body is is, is down he has actually to pull himself up in order to be able to speak so to say these words today you will be with me in the paradise not just words like I said right now to it was very very painful for him because with every word he has to pull his back up and pulling his back up or himself up against the cross you know this friction was very very painful but the Lord did not want the thief to be in doubt whether God will accept me or not that's why in order to give him the message of hope the message of assurance the message of peace the message of forgiveness he actually in his severe pain he responded to him and assured him and this actually to make us take our service more seriously as I said many many times when we just have something trivial something minimal but we excuse ourselves no I'm not gonna do visitation this week I'm not gonna go to Sunday school I will skip the servants meeting I'll skip the class I'm not gonna prepare the lesson but Saint Paul and the other example the Lord Jesus Christ in their unusual circumstances in prison he want actually to make sure that his people are safe and lest they consider its burden on him he told them writing the same things to you is not tedious so he want his people safe he warned them from three groups the group of the non-believers the group of the wicked people and the group of the Judaizers the first group he told them beware of dogs dogs in the culture of Israel refer to non-believers when the Lord said in the Sermon of the Mountain don't give the holy things to the dogs he means to the non-believers when he said to the Canaanite as a woman from Canaan it's not good to take the bread of the children and give it to dogs he means or he meant also the non-believers also in the book of Revelation when we read that outside heaven <coughs> liars and adulterers and, and, and dogs there is no pets in heaven so dogs here means the non-believers so when he said beware of dogs 
he means the non-believers. Of course, we need to deal with non-believers in working. But when he told them, beware, yes, as a companion, but don't get too close to them. They can actually corrupt your mind, they can poison your mind. And we see among our youth, when they get in very, very close contact with like atheists, atheists are non-believers, and they start to speak to them about God and how a merciful God should not, there, there should be a hell to punish the people eternally there. And they cast doubts in their hearts. And at the end, many of our youth, they become atheists. Why? Because they were not careful to set the right boundaries with the non-believers. They allowed them to poison their mind. That's why he said, beware of dogs. The second group, beware of evil workers, because bad company corrupt good morals. When I'm surrounded by evil people or wicked people, sin is contagious. So if I am surrounded by wicked people, you know, they will influence me. They will corrupt my good morals. And the third group, he said, beware of mutilation. Mutilation, he's referring here to circumcision. And the Judaizers are Christian from Jewish background. But they were teaching, unless you keep the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Circumcision, all the purification, all sacrifices, you need to keep the whole law. Otherwise, you will not be saved. So, St. Paul, in most of his letters, he wrote against them. That's why he was hated by the Jews. But that's why, you know, a faithful Sunday school servant all the time will warn his children, be careful, don't mingle with this group, don't be close friend to this group, don't beware, as he said, beware of unbeliever, beware of evil workers, beware of the Judaizers. Then in verse 3 he said, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. So he said, we also are Christian from Jewish background. But there is big difference between our faith and the faith of the Judaizers. Because we worship God in the spirit. And we rejoice in Jesus Christ, our Savior, who saved us. And we have no confidence in the flesh. It's not the circumcision that will save me. It's not the animal sacrifices that will save me. It's not the purification and washing my hand several times when I come from the market. It will save me. So we don't have confidence in the works of the flesh. All these works were symbolic. But some argue to St. Paul, you are saying this because you did not keep the law. You did not keep the law. So St. Paul answered this and he told them, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks 
he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. If you think that you, I am not saying the law of Moses is important for our salvation because I did not keep the law, you're wrong. And St. Paul told them, I will tell you how if flesh can save me, I am more confident in the flesh than anyone else. And he starts to say the list in verse 5. Circumcision, I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel. So he said, I'm not a convert, I'm not a proselyte, but I am from the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Tribe of Benjamin, the first king, King Saul, was from the tribe of Benjamin. So this tribe has the, the pride, always they boast themselves that they are the tribe of Benjamin, from which the first king of Israel, King Saul. And that's why actually St. Paul's parent called him Saul, because he is from the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of the Hebrews, maybe somebody would ask what's the difference between Israelite and Hebrew. It means the same thing, but Israel used to refer to themselves Israel, but the foreign countries used to call Israel Hebrews. That's why he's writing to Gentiles and the Gentiles called Israel Hebrew. So he wanted to, to speak to them in their own language. That's why he said, I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And concerning the law, a Pharisee. Pharisee means the most strict sect in Israel. They keep the letter of the law, the letter of the law, and they were very, very strict. So nobody can say St. Paul did not keep the law of Moses. And he gave them another evidence concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He approved the martyrdom of St. Stephen. And actually he tortured many people. So who can say St. Paul should not yani, have, or uh, yani, he didn't have enough works to have confidence in the flesh. So he told them, he concluded this list by, if you want to examine me concerning the righteousness of the law, yeah, did I fulfill circumcision? Did I fulfill the sacrifices? Did I fulfill the vows? So concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Nobody can bring to me something that I did not keep. For the Judaizers, when, once this list go on and on and on, it is gain for them, something to brag, something to boast in it. But St. Paul said no. But what things were gained to me? These I have counted loss for Christ. It is like the parable of the merchant that he found a very, very precious pearl. So he went and sold all what he had and purchased this precious pearl. This precious pearl is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So St. Paul, all these works of the law, he considered it loss. Yet I in, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And he is not actually regretful that he lost these things, but I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Some of us, when we consecrate or dedicate our life either partially or completely, sometimes we, what we lost, we cry over it and we regret our decision that I consecrate this time to be a Sunday school servant or this time to serve the Lord in this capacity. And maybe if somebody attacked me, or somebody hurt me, then actually, I, I immediately, I feel that yeah, maybe it was better if I'm not serving as a Sunday school servant. But St. Paul said, no, I count it as rubbish. Rubbish is like trash. Why? To gain Christ. If you put Christ on one side and everything else, everything else on the other side, Christ would be better. To gain Christ is much, much better. And why why you want to gain Christ? The following word is very important. And be found in him. I was completely lost. I was completely lost. But when <coughs> I lost all these things and found Christ, I found myself in him. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ, he who finds himself will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. St. Paul even lost his freedom. He's in prison now. Lost his freedom for the sake of Christ. But he found himself. What is the benefit? to be free, but I am enslaved to sin, and I, my soul is lost. So compare a person who is free and he's enslaved to drugs or bad habit or whatever, and he's lost. Or St. Paul, who lost even his freedom and in jail, but he found himself and he found his salvation the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a beautiful, beautiful verse to, to think about it. What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may Christ and be found in Then he said, I'm not seeking my righteousness according to the law, circumcision, vows, purification, sacrifices, no. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that righteousness, 
which comes to me through believing in Jesus Christ, which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. All of us, we received this righteousness in baptism. And when we lose this righteousness or define it, when we sin, we renew it again in repentance, confession, and communion. So every time after repentance and confession, we take communion, we became righteous again. That's the righteousness of Christ, not righteousness from the law. Then he said, that I may know him through believing in Christ and through receiving this righteousness from Christ, I will know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. And now he is explaining that the righteousness of Christ opened the door to many things. Opened the door, number one, to know God. Because as we read in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We cannot see God unless we are pure. And if you are trying to be pure by the works of the law, or have confidence in your own abilities, you will never be pure. But when you have confidence in God and rely on God and on His grace, then you do your part, you, you will be pure. Then you can see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they, they shall see God. And also, receiving the righteousness of Christ, he will know the power of resurrection. What is the relation? The power of resurrection made the righteousness of Christ accessible to me. If Christ was not crucified and he did not die and did not was not buried and he did not rise from death, I never ever have access to his righteousness. But when he took our humanity in full and in this humanity, he lived a righteous, holy life. Then he died and was buried and rose. And now I can participate in his death, burial, resurrection and baptism. So since I participated in him <coughs> and I can abide in him and he in me in Eucharist in communion, then I'll be one with him. His righteousness will be my righteousness. Like a very poor girl married a very rich man. Then his money will be her money. And she will be rich in him. We were very, very poor spiritual. Considering or regarding to holiness and righteousness. He is perfect in holiness and righteousness. So through this marriage, through this union, 
his righteousness became mine. And this was possible for me through the resurrection. So in communion, because as I said, I will be righteous again. The defilement that happened to my righteousness that I received in baptism, it is renewed in Eucharist. So every time I take his body and drink his blood, I know the power of his resurrection because now I renewed my righteousness. And also, I now, I have a fellowship in his suffering. Because as I told you, uh, there is a grace of God, but I have to fight the good fight. And I have to fight until bloodshed against sin, to resist sin until bloodshed. And I have to carry the cross with him, like St. Paul was in prison. And if we suffer with him, we'll be glorified with him. I cannot participate in his resurrection without participating in his cross. So by receiving the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ in baptism and in Eucharist, he knew God, he knew the power of resurrection, and he knew the fellowship of his suffering. Being conforming to his death, meaning that I am dead to the world and now I live a new life. Because I died in the water of baptism, I died to the world, I died to sin. So now I'm conforming to his death. I am now a new creation. Death has no power over me. Death cannot, uh, sin cannot uh, tempt me. Sin has no power over me. Because I am dead to sin. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I'm doing all of this, verse 11, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, which is in the second coming of Christ. So if I continue in this journey, I know him, I know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, receiving the righteousness of Christ, then I will have portion in the resurrection from the dead in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Maybe somebody will assume that St. Paul saying, now I am righteous in Christ and this is a perfect righteousness, etc. As if St. Paul saying, now I am perfect. But no. Yes, in, in Christ, I am perfect in Him. But still I understand that I am not perfect. But I will continue to th in this relationship with Christ, abiding in Him and He in me to be perfect. But away from Christ, I am not. And in our life, many times we fall and we sin. And this actually defiles our righteousness. That's why in verse 12 he made it very clear. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, 
this will happen in the second coming of Christ in the eternal life but here on earth I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me what is that I may hold of that salvation that I may lay hold of the salvation for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me so here in Christ in, in, in incarnation and on the cross and on the crucifixion Christ laid hold of me how? because he took our humanity by taking our humanity and perfecting the law and uh, being crucified tem- uh, overcoming Satan overcoming sin etc etc he laid hold of me by taking our humanity then I am also pressing on in order to lay hold of the same salvation for which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me which means yes after every after baptism and after every communion I am righteous again but I fall then I need to repent again and to press on some people get tired of falling and rising falling and rising and they say until when but we should not get tired of this we should understand that we are weak that's why we fall but thanks be to God that he gave us unlimited chances to repent and to return back to him as long as we live here on earth that's why he said brethren I do not count myself to have apprehended I didn't so just I achieved everything no but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead and I think all of us we need to think about this in our service many times Satan will tell you you have so many deficiencies in your service you don't do this and you don't do this and you don't do this and you don't do this it's better to quit service go to Abuna and ask him to excuse you and when you are ready and strong come and serve that's deception we should respond to this by verse 13 yes I know I don't count myself to have apprehended I understand this but I'm not going to quit the service but one thing I do forgetting those who are behind forgetting my deficiencies I learn from them but I know God will not hold them against me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead now I have so many goals in service now there are many activities there are many things that I can do with my class I will look forward to these things I'm not gonna let things behind me to paralyze me but I will reach forward to those things which are ahead I know the goal 
the goal is my salvation and the salvation of the people whom I am serving. That is the ultimate goal. And any activity, anything I do is going toward this goal. So I press toward the goal. I press toward the goal. I will move forward. I will push. And press is more than just I will walk or I will move forward. Press have the meaning also of coercion. I, I, I will force myself into this. And I will push myself to do these things. I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So God called us in Christ Jesus. God sent Jesus Christ, his son, to call us, to, to give us the invitation. What is the invitation? The invitation is to inherit the kingdom of heaven, to be his children, and to live eternally with him. So Jesus Christ came and delivered this invitation to us. And he did everything we need in order to be able to inherit the kingdom of God. So St. Paul said, I press toward the goal, the salvation, for the prize, prize, gift, of the upward call of God. What is the upward goal of God? The inheritance of kingdom of God. And this invitation delivered to us in Christ Jesus. So his warning from vainglory and pride. So in verse 15 he said, Therefore let us as many as are mature, spiritually mature, have this mind. Which mind we did not apprehend, we are not perfect, but we forget what's behind, reach forward to what's in front of us, we press toward the goal. This is how we live our life. And let us walk by the same rule. So this is the rule. Sorry, verse 15. Let us, as many as are mature, spiritually mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, if some of us are not spiritually mature and think otherwise, either they think they became perfect or other they think they are failures. But if you are faithful to God, God will reveal even this to you. So even those who think they are perfect or those who think they are failures, but when they come to God with faithfulness, God will reveal to them that we are not perfect. We are perfect in Him. And our responsibility, our rule should be forgetting what's behind, reaching for, forward to what's in front of us. That's why he said in verse 16, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, to the degree that we have attained or apprehended. Nobody is perfect, if that is the perfection. 
But to the degree that we have attained, somebody attained this much, somebody attained this much, somebody attained this much, to the degree that we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. So either I'm here or here or here or here, the same rule. What is the rule for getting what's behind, reaching forward towards in front of us, pressing toward the goal? That is, that is the rule. Let's walk by the same rule. This rule is for everybody. Let us be of the same mind that we are not perfect, we did not apprehend, but we are moving forward. Then another point about being an example. In verse 17, St. Paul told them, Brethren, join in following my example. So, St. School servant should be an example. Should be an example. And not those who so walk. Walk godly as you have us for a pattern. So the apostles like St. Paul and the godly people take them as better. Two weeks ago, I was speaking with some servant and they were concerned about some deacons and some Sunday school servants. The way they conducted themselves actually can be very offensive. And then, actually, if parents start to speak to their children, they go hug and say, so-and-so is a deacon in the church, so-and-so is Sunday school servant. Why you are asking me to do differently? It is very important for the deacons and Sunday school servant to be an example and to what you are doing, because you are a pattern, you are an example. And you offend the children of God. And the, I never heard the Lord so angry or using a very angry example as he spoke about offenses. He said, if anyone offends these little children, it's better for him to have a millstone around his neck and will be drowned in the sea. So be careful. If your pattern would offend the children of God, this is very serious. And the, the solution to this is not to quit service. The solution is to live godly. To live godly. And St. Paul in Philippi, he had many people who were godly, but now they drifted away. And he, when he remembered them, he cries, he laments them, he weeps for them. As we read in verse 18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, he told them, these are godly people, follow their pattern. And now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They drifted away. And now they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And unfortunately, unless they repent, whose end is destruction, eternal destruction. Why? Whose God is their belly? That is love of pleasure. 
love of pleasure and whose glory is in their shame again love of pleasure who set their mind on earthly things that's love of money earthly position and whose glory is in their shame that's the love of pride and these are the three main sins love of money love of pleasure and love of pride uh, materialism hedonism love of pleasure and egoism love of ego but for us our citizenship is in him and I like the word citizenship here because if my citizenship is in heaven this means many things mean I'm a stranger here I'm a sojourner here on earth as we say the divine liturgy we are sojourners once you get the American citizenship you will have the passport American passport you don't need a visa to enter America so now we have the heavenly citizenship you don't need a visa to go to heaven so now there is a place for you in heaven our citizenship is in heaven so we need to learn their language the language of praise I need to live by their law the heavenly law that's why inclusion chapter 3 verse 1 St. Paul said if you were raised with Christ set your minds on things above not on things below our citizenship is in heaven that's better than any citizenship and we need to teach our children this verse your citizenship you are a heavenly being living on earth don't be conformed to the children of this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and because our citizenship in heaven we are waiting for Christ who will come from heaven to take us with him to heaven because that's our home our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly eagerly wait for the Savior we wait to go home and to be with our Savior as St. Paul said I have a desire to depart and be with Christ this is far better we wait eagerly for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes what would he do this flesh and blood as we read in 1st Corinthians chapter 15 cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven but this flesh and blood participated in our sins or in our uh, virtue it is fair that our spirit and soul will be rewarded or will be punished with our body but since the flesh and blood cannot inherit so God will transform this flesh and blood into the glorious body of resurrection so we will be changed who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body his glorious body the body of resurrection by the way so all of us will, will be like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ after 
resurrection. As St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we are sown in corruption, we will be risen in incorruption. We are sown in weakness, we will be risen in power. And, and, and so on. And maybe somebody will, how come God can transform this lowly body to a glorious body? So Jesus, so St. Paul is saying, do you believe that God can submit everything to himself? The answer definitely he can. Then he is powerful. Yes, he is powerful. So with the same power that he can submit everything to himself, with the same power he can transform the lowly body to the glorious body. That's why he said, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. According to what? Using what? According to the working, according to the power, the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So the same power that he is able to subdue all things to himself, the same power will transform our lowly body to the glorious body of resurrection. Glory be to God forever and ever.